Hello and welcome to the Future of Australia podcast. Here I interview the entrepreneurs running the fastest growing businesses in Australia. These interviews will be around the themes of entrepreneurship, new ideas, business, innovation, capitalism and successful enterprise being the motor that will drive Australia forward. I will be telling the stories of the people who are making it possible and as they grow and strive further will become a bigger and bigger part of Australia's future. My name is Derek Stewart, your host and the founder of Future of Australia. Check us out at futureofaustralia.com to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter, get exclusive content and ensure you never miss an episode. For questions or comments, email me at derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404-689-897. Welcome to episode four of the Future of Australia podcast. In this episode, I interview Derek Sheen, the founder of Yellow Octopus, a bricks and clicks retailer selling unique and quirky gifts and gadgets in Melbourne. We discuss how he turned a part-time hobby of buying and selling novelty gadgets online while studying engineering into a full-time business. We chat about Australian entrepreneurship, why omni-channel and being agile and customer first is the only way to survive and thrive in the cutthroat world of retail. Hear how they have grown 50% plus every year for five consecutive years, reaching 2.5 million in turnover last financial year, making them one of the FinReview's fastest growing young businesses in Australia. If you are ever stuck for what to buy someone for their birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day or the office Kris Kringle, or you just like unique quirky gift items for yourself, Check out yellowoctopus.com.au, that's Y-E-L-L-O-W-O-C-T-O-P-U-S.com.au, or drop by their showroom in Melbourne. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Derek from Yellow Octopus. Hi. Hi, Derek. So I'm actually doing this one face-to-face, so he's got a very impressive uh, showroom here, as well as a big warehouse out the back and sort of office space. Uh, so this is quite an operation you've got here. So Derek, can you sort of talk me through, um, sort of how did you get here? You know, what sort of, what's your sort of career path been like? What did you study? Um, what previous jobs or businesses have you sort of done before this that led up to this? Sure. Um, I think I'll just uh, start by just letting everyone know what uh, Yellow Octopus is. Uh, you might not have heard of um, us. Uh, so basically, we're a uh, primarily an online retailer for unique and quirky gifts and gadgets. Um, we sell everything from bacon flavored toothpaste to a samurai sword shaped umbrella to a uh, $200,000 personal submarine. So anything wacky and weird and wonderful, uh, we have it. Um, so it's the perfect place to find uh, online gifts. <clears throat> and so you mentioned about um, how you know what I was doing for Yellow Octopus. So basically, I studied uh, engineering at uh, university. Um, and after university, I got a you know, graduate job um, working in the water industry. Uh, spent two years working in the uh, water industry, uh, engineering consultant, um, and then um, you know decided it's probably you know didn't didn't really like it that much. I always enjoyed uh, doing business, so I thought you know I really want to do business. I'm going to start up something. Um, my first uh, venture into business uh, was actually taking over a cafe 
in uh, Bandura, um, north of Melbourne. Um, it was a, you know, it was a failing cafe. Uh, had no hospitality experience whatsoever. Um, never, never, you know, was never worked as a waiter. Never, you know, kitchen hand, nothing. Uh, so it was a, it was, it was a very steep learning curve for me. But it was my, you know, first venture into business. Um, I, you know, I kind of, um, you know, realized pretty quickly that uh, you know hospitality wasn't wasn't right for me. Um, but you know, I was running this cafe and had to carry on. Um, so after I, I sold the cafe about uh, two years after I um, I got involved. So how did you know that that like you had a, a friend told you they were trying to exit their cafe or was it in like a sort of gum tree listing of businesses for sale? How did you find that struggling cafe? Yeah, it was basically um, a, a, a friend um, and it was a struggling cafe, so it uh, it didn't cost that much and it was just an opportunity that came up. And um, yeah, and I thought, you know, why not give it a go? It, 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 you know, it's not a big investment. Um, I wanted to go into business. I thought, you know, this is an easy way to just get started, see what's all about and how's, how it works kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I got into the hospitality business. But um, yeah, definitely not for me. <laughs> and, and what was sort of the hardest part? Was it the low margins, the hours, just your sort of lack of industry experience? What what made it hard? It, it, it was everything combined. Um, it, you know, not being, um, you know, I had a chef, I had waiters, you know, there's lots of expenses there. Um, the margins obviously slim, uh, hours very long as well. And uh, yeah, they're not fantastic hours either. I think at the end of, uh, the whole uh, experience uh, in the cafe. I th- I think um, I worked it out that uh, my hourly wage for myself at the end of it was something like two dollars fifty per hour, something like that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's work. quite common uh, <laughs> when business owners work out their hourly rate. They can get a bit shocked and <laughs> cause a lot of businesses to finish. Um, so what about where you grew up? I understand you're from the UK originally? Or? So, yes. So I lived in the UK. I did my, uh, oh, let's go back before then. I, um, I, I was born in Hong Kong, um, you know, went to international school using the English curriculum. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my parents, you know, they, they lived in Australia, you know, before I was born. Um, they were here, uh, and they lived here and, um. But I did my university in the in the UK because you know when I was uh, studying I was using the English curriculum and it was just a natural progression. But um, after university and working there for a few years, I decided to um, come back to to Melbourne, Australia, where my um, parents grew up. And did you consider sort of staying on in the UK, or you really always intended to come home to Australia? Uh, always intended to come back to Australia. Um, yeah. And, and so you mentioned that you sort of, you, you got the, the sort of the stable path. You did the engineering degree, yes. you got an engineering job with a big sort of boring company. Yes. Um, but then you had sort of a passion for business. So it was always in your blood from when you were a kid or? Oh, absolutely. It... So even, you know, even when I was studying, you know, I was, uh, you know, trading on eBay and, um, you know, buying, buying stuff from China and trying to, um, sell it. Uh, sell it on um, didn't go that well didn't have the scale to um, you know 
to pursue it much further than just you know a hobby when I could do in my spare time um, but I always wanted to be in business and do business um, and uh, yeah and I decided after you know doing a couple of years of engineering uh, I you know it was either now or never kind of thing that I wanted to pursue so that's how that's why I, you know decided to quit my job and um, run a business Okay, and so you did the restaurant business for a year or two, tried, learned a lot, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, Very steep learning. And then, how did, and then obviously, when you realized it wasn't a long term, sort of viable, sustainable business, yeah. uh, then what? Did you have a period of looking for new business opportunities or trying ideas? So, I, you know, I, I always enjoyed, um, you know, products, quirky stuff. I was buying, you know, desk little desk gadgets um from overseas from the uk us and you know it's something that i was passionate about um so even before even whilst i was running the cafe uh i i knew it's kind of the area where i wanted to be in um so mm. as soon as i was able to exit the cafe i um you know started uh the online side of uh of the business and uh, that's how kind of how yellow octopus was born and what was the first sort of 12 months? Were you um, just sort of running an eBay store? Were you selling at flea markets? Were you sort of... How did it sort of... The first year of kind of yeah. operations, what did that look like? So uh, I built the... So my, the first... I started with the website. Um, the first website uh, I built myself um, on Big Commerce, the e-commerce platform. Um, uh, it, you know, it was run from my living room. You know, we had products absolutely everywhere. You couldn't even walk. Uh, literally, you could not walk um, in there. You kind of have to wade through all the products there. Um, so it was the website first. Um, eBay actually came, actually, the, the full Yellow Office eBay store actually um, was slightly later than the website when it became uh, very clear that... Um, the store, uh, the website didn't have the scale initially to uh, sustain itself. Um, so we started the eBay store uh, as another means to sell the product. Um, but uh, both of them, you know, grew pretty quickly. And uh, so we're at the moment we're primarily we sell a lot more on the website than we do on eBay. eBay is just a means for us to get rid of um, overstocked products and clearance products. Uh, I'll main focus right now is the uh is the website um ebay is uh represents less than 10 percent of our business now and so how quickly did you sort of get your own warehouse you started in the living room yep. filling up the house with novelty items and then once you're outgrew it how quickly were you sort of into a warehouse and uh so so we uh, i launched in uh august and after the first christmas um it was very very clear that uh, I could not stay in the living room and so uh, we got uh, it wasn't actually a warehouse it was more an office space um, because I, I didn't really want to hire people uh, you know in my house and having people work in my house um, so uh, yeah I got kind of an office office space that also functioned as the warehouse that's kind of uh, our, our first premises the yellow octopus premises. Um, it's just just five minutes down the road across the Pian Highway from here. 
Nice. And then, and then uh, you've obviously outgrown that and you're in quite a, a much bigger space now. So um, you're in the Fin Review, sort of uh, fast-growing young companies yeah. for uh, the 2017 financial in, year. In five years, we've actually moved one, two, three, four times. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've okay. actually moved four times. So every time, you know, we started you know, from my living room to a 50 square meter office to a 200 square meter uh, warehouse to a um, 350 square meter warehouse and then now here it's uh, about 700 square meters so we've moved quite a few times in, in a short <laughs> period of time it's a uh, it's uh, stressful to move um, and uh, not cheap as well every time we move <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so last year, last financial year, you grew 43% and, and did sort of $2.5 in, in turnover. So, did again, you've been growing, you've been ramping up sort of yep. quite um, progressively over yep. the years, but was there something, a tipping point, something new that you did marketing-wise that you think sort um, of spurred no, that additional growth? No, it wasn't actually additional growth. It was, um, you know, we were growing, uh, you know, probably in as a, as a percentage wise we were actually growing even quicker a few years back um but then of course it was from a lower base so it was actually mm. easier um but yeah we've uh, we've been doing lots of promotion obviously customers coming back uh through word of mouth uh we, we do a lot of advertising uh I, I like to try out uh different things because i'm not because i'm an engineer and i don't not not I don't really have much business training until recently, mm. um, so I really don't really know what works or not, so I kind of tend to try out a lot of ideas. Um, we do offline marketing, tried a lot of, uh, yeah, we do a lot of online, online marketing, but we've also tried offline marketing on magazines, radio, um, even the Yarra Valley Trans, uh, we've uh, kind of tried advertising there, so uh, didn't work out as well as I hope, but um, you know, if you don't try, you don't learn. Yeah, I think that's a very good approach. Um, so, sort of, you've mentioned obviously, is it just the physical realities? You outgrow a space, yep. you have to move into bigger space because that's sort of the nature of your business. What else has sort of changed business wise as you've grown? Um, as we've grown, it's um, uh, you know, as as a gift store, we you know we've become more and more um, seasonal actually uh, because. Previously, we were um, just a lot of novelty gifts and gadgets, uh, novelty gadgets, and then um, we promoted ourselves as a more gift business, and so we actually became more seasonal. And Christmas, uh, Christmas now represents the eight weeks leading up Christmas represents uh, around sixty-five percent of our entire entire year. So it's a very very important um, time of year for us, but it also means that it's very hard to actually um, be able to uh, manage the, the seasonality um, of it being, you know, it's February right now. It's, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, the sales is nowhere near what we do in Christmas. Like Christmas peak day, we would do 20 times what we do today, but trying to manage the lows and also be able to manage the highs as well. Um, so over Christmas, we would, uh, like last Christmas we had, uh, we worked, Saturdays, Sundays, uh, ran two shifts, had, um, you know, eight, nine people every shift. 
um, and trying to manage that all, it's, it's uh, not, not, not easy at all. Yeah, I think that's an interesting comment because every business as it grows, the complexity and scale grows, but yes. you've mentioned sort of the volatility and seasonality. Absolutely. So there's sharper peaks and troughs in cash flow, right. in hiring, in sort of that's customer right. service. So um, I think that's an interesting thing that maybe some people aren't aware of as you grow the actual business model and, and mm. demand can change too. So, so speaking of retail, um, in Australia, in the news, there seems to be a lot of long-time legacy brands that you hear about the news going into voluntary administration, struggling, closing yeah. branches. But at the same time, it also feels like with Amazon, eBay, just again, technology, it's almost never been a better time for a young, innovative sort of e-commerce player like what you started out as. What's your thoughts on sort of the retail sector in Australia, traditional e-commerce and sort of where the next few years of it, as an industry it's heading? Um, yeah, so retail is is a tough space to be in, um, but I, I think it's not really about uh, you know bricks and mortar and e-commerce. It's uh, everything is becoming omni-channel now. Mm. Um, we've recently opened a uh, you know bricks and mortar showroom um, because you know our, our customer wanted that and kind of demanded that, and um, so I think you know to succeed you kind of have to be wherever the customer is. So it's not about you know, traditional retail against e-commerce, it's just retail in general. You know, all the um, you know, major bricks and mortar stores also have an e-commerce offering now. Uh, even Harvey Norman, I don't know if you remember, like, he had a big argument with Kogan a couple of years ago um, about uh, e-commerce and future of e-commerce. But um, if you look at uh, Harvey Norman now, you know, they, they have a very successful e-commerce arm and um, you know you can see how you know everything is actually becoming omni-channel. Amazon is opening up their own uh, bricks and mortar stores in the U.S. Uh, they just uh, bought out um, uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Yeah, so they've right. added six hundred right. physical locations. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, everything is just becoming um, omni-channel. Uh, and but I, I think what's the important thing is actually being agile in this uh, retail space because uh, even in the four or five years we've been trading we've you know I've seen a lot of changes in the industry you know when I started you know mobile usage on our website uh, was about 25% 25% of our visitors were using mobile browsing last month it was 60 60 70% was uh, you know browsers were on mobile so uh, things like that is you know in the short time even in the short time frame we've been trading we've seen huge changes in the industry. Um, buy now, pay later options. Initially, we were, I was quite uh, reluctant to add those uh, buy now, pay later options like zip pay and after pay um, because they, tra uh, they charge a higher merchant fee to, to us retailers than um, what normal Visa and MasterCard would, would charge us, um, you know, significantly higher. But, um, you know, the trend was just moving that way. And, uh, you know, over Christmas, over ten percent of our of our um, of our payments was through zip pay and afterpay, uh, and you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't think of getting rid of them at all. You know they they're here to stay. Um, so things like this, uh, it's in the changing industry. It's very important to um, you know to just be agile and um, you know be able to change with the times. 
Yeah, I think you made some very good points there. Like you said, so you started online, but then when your customers said, hey, we want to look at these gifts because they're not common items, um, you thought, okay, let's add a physical store. And as you said, it's sort of you can't exist one without the other because yep. these days people want both. And so the ones that are really uh, you know, closing down and struggling, I suppose, are the ones that aren't listening That's to right. their customers. They're not serving um, serving their customers where they are and how they want it. That's right. But anyone who can master sort of both is actually doing fine, such yep. as yourself. Um, so just an interesting point you mentioned as well, sort of engineering background before and how it influenced your marketing. Yeah. Obviously now, and as you scale up, um, the logistical aspect of same-day shipping in Melbourne, yes. getting things out, delivering, distribution, buying, getting things in staffing or do you find your sort of engineering and, and process-based thinking sort of help with managing the logistical side or um well it's it's really different what i mean what you learn uh you know at university i find it's um not necessarily translates to in real life um but uh, i have recognized that you know i lack some you know traditional business uh knowledge and so i've actually taken up and uh, MBA course at Melbourne Uni, um, so uh, Masters in Business Administration, and uh, you know, I've, it's actually pretty interesting because I've been able to apply, especially in marketing, um, apply, apply some of the uh, knowledge I've learned in class. You know, you know, I do it, I do it part time, so I'll you know go to class in the evenings, mm-hmm. um, but in the morning I'll be you know fresh from the class. You know, I'll be able to implement stuff straight away and try things out see how it actually uh, translates into the real world. So actually, that's, uh, I actually found that's pretty interesting and pretty helpful for me. Yeah, so if we sort of step back a bit at the bigger picture and look at sort of entrepreneurship, are, yeah. are there a lot of other entrepreneurs like in your MBA or are they more sort of corporate? It, they're more people? corporate, they're more corporate, um, but everyone, because it's part-time, everyone's working. So mm-hmm. you get an understanding of different industries and, um, and uh, how you know how they do things their processes um so it's very interesting for me to actually understand understand some of the uh, uh of, of how other companies uh do things um yeah because everyone's studying for the mba is kind of like want to move up um move up the the, the ladder whether it's to change their career into um starting their own business or uh you know become uh, managers in their in their organization yeah and so you've been an entrepreneur you've been running businesses for half a decade what trends do you see in entrepreneurship broadly sort of within australia and and again you've lived overseas and in a few different continents um what do you think australia does well in terms of the entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship and what could it maybe do better in um i think like australia compared to um, countries like the US and uh, possibly Israel where they have a very high and successful rate of innovation and um, uh, and venture capital funding um, is that uh, kind of Australia we're kind of um, cotton walled in a way because We've got lots of uh, resources and it's pretty comfortable to get, you know, you know we've got a high minimum wage um, compared to other countries. Um, 
like the US, uh, you know, minimum wage is seven dollars fifty an hour, or if you're in California, it's about ten dollars an hour. Yeah, you know, it's a lot lower than you know our. Yeah, you know, they don't even have the um, the uh, uh, the uh, the super. The they super, don't have yeah, a lot of those. Right. Uh, uh, Medicare, those. That's sort of right. That's yeah. right. Um, so and also like the casual loading as well. Um, you know, for Sunday work, you know, can can get quite significant for uh, especially retailers and um, you know in hospitality as well um, so you know we've got a quite compared to lo- lots of other countries we've got a you know, quite comfortable lifestyle here so there's no real push into starting your own business a lot of people want to but end up don't because it's just they're tied in with the corporate job it's too easy too comfortable um, uh, and um, you know, one one of the issues is also like funding in Australia, uh, venture capital funding. Um, compared to other countries, it's not as much. Even though we've actually got uh, lots of investments, but it's just not in those areas. For example, like uh, our superannuation funds um, currently hold you know between two and three trillion dollars in superannuation. We've actually got lots and lots of um, you know money floating around it's just they're not investing in startups and entrepreneurs and you know small business they most of the uh, you know the superannuation funds they're looking for you know a steady year-on-year returns um, rather than being able to uh, uh, invest in potentially explosive growth and uh, I think it's a, that's an area where Australia can improve on um, yeah, because uh, those superannuation funds often, you know, they would, uh, the, the, the industry is so large now that it's, um, you know, the major, they actually, the major companies, they actually have a, almost a controlling stake of some of these companies and they're able to get board seats um, and, uh, and be able to control some of their investment decisions. And instead of investing in the, you know, in future growth, they want, you know, just, annual dividends, steady annual dividends rather than being able to invest in potential long-term growth. They just want steady dividends kind of thing and, um, and, 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 and to maximize the dividends, um, it, it would t- it tends to mean that um, they would have, you know, if they invest, they would have less dividends in the short term. but. You know, they they don't see it that way, kind of thing. They just want steady growth, steady dividends, rather than ex- um, investing in other um, long term potential uh, projects. Yeah, I think those are all very good points. Like you said, the opportunity cost for an employee who's in a corporate world earning one hundred twenty five thousand right. dollars plus super plus you know four weeks leave. I mean, that's also a difference. In other countries, they have a lot less leave. It's, yeah the cost of sort of leaving that is actually very high. Whereas in countries where there's less benefits from a job, mm. Converse actually encourages people because there's less opportunity cost of uh, giving that up to start a business. Um, so you interact, I'd imagine, with a lot of international businesses for your suppliers. Are there a range of countries which you source products from? Uh, yes, uh, we definitely... Um, most of our products are uh, from Australian distributors, about maybe uh, about... 70% are from Australian distributors because a lot of our products are licensed 
and uh, they've really got license agreements uh, from. We, we're not able to get direct, but uh, the other 30% we do try to get from overseas where it's kind of more unique, uh, where you, know, you don't find anywhere else in Australia. Um, so a lot of them, uh, you know, we get some from uh, the States, UK, uh, obviously the Far East, um, and, also, and recently uh, from Israel as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so you've mentioned your business. It depends a lot on consumer trends, yes. popular culture. Do you find a correlation sort of internationally, maybe something that's big in the US and then it trickles over to Australia? Or oh, with, with the internet, it doesn't really trickle. It's uh, kind of pretty instant as well now. Um, uh, especially you know through social media, if there's some celebrity that you know posted a particular product or something like that, you you, know, you see overnight you know sales of that particular product would just suddenly you know go spiking, go off the scales kind of thing. So uh, it, it, it we we you know we we try to you know look through social media, try to find the next big thing, but we don't always get that right. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give um, to someone, you know, who's, who's 20, maybe they're at university, maybe they're not, they're interested in business, like maybe they've got a little eBay store that makes yeah. them $1,000 profit a month and, and they want to get into retail in a bigger way, whether it's e-commerce, bricks and mortar, both. Um, what advice would you give someone like that from your experience in the retail and e-commerce sector? Um, I'll say, you know, keep persisting at what you're doing because um, you hear all these stories of successful entrepreneurs but what you don't see is there's um, there's no really such thing as overnight success it takes a lot of hard work a lot and lots of hard work um, uh, and uh, you know you you might you know you, you might not you might start out you know earning not a lot or zero at all you know I, I, I didn't take a salary for the first uh, 24 months uh, of running my business, um, you know, it, it was, it was not easy. Uh, it was not easy. So, um, keep persisting at it and, um, stop procrastinating and get on and doing it, do, and, uh, get on and do it because, um, you know, time is limited and it's kind of the only one of the things in the world where, you know, it's equal. Everyone has a set amount of time. If you don't use it wisely, you know, you'll, you'll miss that opportunity. Yeah, and I think, especially on the time point, a lot of people forget someone like Amazon and Jeff Bezos, he's been at it since 1994. That's right. It's not a sort of tech late 90s or early 2000s. He's really been at it, you know, a quarter of a century to sort of get to where he is now. Um, and any business, it really, when you look at it, it takes a lot longer, I think, than people expect. Absolutely. Um, you know, whatever, you know, if you think, you know, you, you'll be able to see results, you know, in a couple of weeks, couple of months, you know, it's not going to happen. You know, you have to be at it for for often years before you actually see any real result. Yeah, and, and so tying into that, what do you think? Again, it's hard to predict, but yeah. but what do you think the next five to ten years for for Yellow Octopus looks like? And goals, um, vision. Um, we'll definitely uh, keep on growing the business. Um, you know, as best as possible. It's uh, every, you know, we, we aim to grow, um, you know, at least 30% year on year, every year. Um, we're going to introduce a new Yellow Octopus exclusive products. Um, we're going to start designing and making some of our own products. So um, 
some wacky things, some new things, um, being able to offer our customers something that you won't find anywhere else in the world. I think uh, kind of that's where we, we're heading and try to stand out from everyone else. Yeah, and, and so when you say getting bigger, do you, do, you intend, do you already, I imagine you have customers all over Australia, which you sort of ship to, but, yep. but more physical locations or just bigger in sort of every direction? Uh, big in every direction. Um, we're looking at uh, potentially more uh, pop-up stores uh, during the busy, busy times of the year like Christmas uh, around the country um, because uh, last Christmas when we opened our um, our retail bricks and mortar store you know it was um busy like pretty busy during uh during christmas um uh, more you know busier than what i anticipated so we'll look at uh different physical locations uh this year possibly as you know as a pop-up for a couple weeks leading up to christmas yeah i think it just goes back to like you're saying wherever the customers are if they're walking around at a market and you've got a pop-up or in the yep. city or in different parts of the country then you're going to be there because that's where the customers are absolutely all right thank you so much derek for your time is there any other final words or thoughts you'd like to add uh i think uh to all budding entrepreneurs out there it's uh i think you know just give it a go um you know my my mantra is, uh, you know, you have to give it a go. If you know, it's better to try and fail than to not try at all. So, that's my last words. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about it who you think may enjoy the content and get something useful out of it. Feedback, comments, likes or dislikes, you can reach me by emailing Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404 689 897. Thank you.